0: Anything is better than nothing. One vote is better than none. One petition signature is better than none. One act of kindness or speaking up or standing up is better than none. So do something because that is better than nothing. Say something because that is better than silence. Welcome back to Let's Thrive the Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Fichels, and today we have a mini solo episode with yours truly. This year of 2020 has been quite the whirlwind. I swear we've all aged like five years. Kind of like a fine wine, but not as nicely, you know what I mean? And you know, beginning it was everything with Corona we've talked about that, there's been a lot of discussion around it, and then just recently, you know, it's June 2020, and we just had a big surge in awareness for the Black Lives Matter movement, and so I decided to create this episode, three lessons that the Black Lives Matter movement taught me as a white woman in America. Uh, We all saw this massive shift occur, where suddenly the issue of racial prejudice and injustice and everything that accompanies it, became center stage in our life, Um, you know, and a lot of people did a lot of different things to support the movement or to not participate at all. And I'm not saying anything is right or wrong. I'm just here to put my two cents into, uh, (laughs) you know, the opinion hat. I don't know. But just to, you know, kind of start things off, when this entire movement started, I'd say, you know, for me, I really saw it happening with Instagram as that's the platform I'm on most, so I personally took a week off from sharing any of my own content on Instagram and the podcast just to amplify and share the voices and messages of the Black community. Now, I did continue to share through my stories and with one static post However, none of it was promotional towards me or my work. So no hashtags, no tags, except for those in my stories driving attention and driving action towards, um, you know, Black bloggers, Black content creators, important educational resources, important exposure messages. And that was just something, you know, I personally chose to do. Many others chose the same way, and many others chose an entirely different path. Some were not on Instagram at all, or any social media. They chose to do the work on their own terms, which is amazing. And some didn't choose to do anything at all. And, you know, that's a personal choice, I guess. But, you know, in the time overall, I know I personally learned a lot. I had some hard realizations, and overall, just found a very deep passion for this work. I've always been an empath, you know. My flaw—not a flaw, but something I always thought of as before—is I just, I have an inherent love and appreciation for all humans. So I've never found myself judging on a skin tone or race, you know, whatever it is, per se. I now understand why that is an issue because, as you guys have probably seen, there's a lot of information out there about the difference between All Lives Matter and Black Lives Matter. And so that's just like one little example of something I really had to learn and realize. But overall, I just found a really deep passion for this movement and this work. Overall, it really showed the true colors of some people's personalities. And I think that's good. Um, you know, I'm specifically talking about the white women I follow and many of you probably follow on social media and I just think it was a good experience because Instagram can be an amazing platform for community and connection and friendship, but sometimes you just need to see people's true personality colors and, you know, see them shine or not shine so well and this was certainly one of those times. You know, I, you know, I personally also offended quite a few people you know, white people, <laughs> with uh, my sharing and opinions during this time. And I'll be honest, I'm such a freaking people pleaser that my immediate urge was actually to apologize, right? So I would say something to better, I you know, in my eyes, support or defend like the Black Lives Matter movement. I'd get some feedback on that. And my initial reaction was to apologize. And that, my friends, is the essence of white fragility. But you know, nevertheless, what I wanted to get across with this little side rant is that when it came to responding to those types of, you know, feedbacks, clapbacks, whatever you want to call them, I didn't apologize for my views. I refused to push my support of the Black Lives Matter movement under the rug just for the sake of appeasing, you know, my predominantly white community members that I may have offended if that makes sense I'm probably not wording that right and I should put a disclaimer in right here that if I speak wrongly you know I'm not perfect I'm still learning this is a constant learning practice uh, for all of us and so I might say things that aren't appropriately right or whatnot but I do want anyone listening to know that I'm trying with my best intentions to speak as eloquently and justly so and so in that I wanted to share the lessons I learned from this entire experience on this podcast on this platform in the hopes of inspiring some of you to further educate yourself to further expose yourself and to continue to be a part of this change moving forward and you know two more little clear ups disclaimers things to touch on real quick In this episode, I'm saying we, and as I was typing it, I realized, like, wow, when I say we, I'm referring to all my audience because as far as I know, like, I I feel like a large majority of you are probably white, and I am obviously white, and I just, you know, I want this message to go to you, You know, like, if anyone of color is listening to this, I don't know how this episode might benefit you. If anything, I might say something slightly wrong to irritate you, and for that, I am so sorry. However, like, to my white listeners, like, this is a wake-up call. This is an opportunity for you to continue doing this work and be a part of the change moving forward, and this is my way of using my white privilege as a source of influence to help spread the message and the voice and hopefully the mission of the Black Lives Matter movement. And last thing, like, my hope is that moving forward, this podcast will continue to expand, as well as its audience, to be a resource for everyone, anyone. You know, it's for people. In It's just, it's for people. It's not meant for white women of a certain age. Like, this is for any race, age, education, religion, etc., As long as I'm not offending you, you know, on the daily, I want this place to be available for everyone. Uh, So those are, yeah, the last two things. Now to get into this actual episode, oh my god, eight minutes in, I rambled so much. I'm sorry, guys. Okay, so let's start. Lesson one, white privilege is not an accusation. It is simply a hardcore fact. We are born with it. Simply because we come out of the womb as white-skinned, like, children, babies. And because of that, then, our system continues to propel us forward in life because of it. So, for instance, we all know the basics of white privilege, right? But just the fact of society gives us a lot more options and opportunities and everything because of our white skin. But I want you, and this is what I did, is to dig deeper, so when I dug deeper into what white privilege looks like for me specifically, I have a few examples that I just wanted to share as a way to exemplify it, right? So one, um, I've gotten pulled over before and, and I should have lost my license. I was just going too fast, nothing else. But, you know, I could have, I should say I could have lost my license, but instead you know, the cop probably saw a young, crying, white, 16-year-old girl and he, or 17, and he thought, wow, like, I don't know what he thought, actually, but nevertheless, he wound up, like, taking some, like, I didn't lose my license and my fine got reducted a bit and, you know, at the moment, it seemed like a big deal, but looking back now, I'm like, wow, if I was a different skin color, that could have been literally, like, a whole other incident in my life and that's scary. Um, besides that, you know, the fact that I didn't even really have to fear about going to college. Like, right, like, we all fear, will I get into my dream college? Like, what will it be like to pay for it? You know, what will college life be like? But for the most part, like, we don't have to worry about not getting accepted into a college, right? Like, you might not get accepted into your top choice, but there is always a college that will accept you for the most part if you have I guess, okay-ish grades, I don't know, like, it just, the fact that our white skin can automatically get us into a college easier than others is just sad, Um, and then my choice to leave college, like, the fact that I could even, like, even choose to leave college and not further that education when so many others are just striving for it every day is an immense privilege, and I try to say that every time I share my story on a podcast or a platform, so then also just the fact of starting my Instagram and this podcast, like with Instagram especially, there's all the algorithm shit that we already face. And then, all you know, I've also been hearing, I need to do some more digging into it, but this idea of how it favors, the algorithm favors more of like a white-toned, white-skinned feed people. I don't know how true that is, how it works, but I would not doubt it. Uh, besides that, general health care networking in my field uh, something as simple as getting tattoos and not having like a stigma you know what I mean like I can get a tattoo and people are like oh that's so cute on your arm where there are certain people where like if you get a like there's just there can be a stigma that's what I'll say I'm stumbling for my words a bit here but there can be a stigma attached to something as simple as that right getting tattoos or excess piercings which I do too um, and then specifically a big one that I really wanted to hit on was, as you guys know, I was diagnosed with chronic hep C, and I had it treated, but that entire experience was very eye-opening. I'm in Pennsylvania. I was treated for it in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. If you guys know that city, like, you'll know what I mean, but going in those hospitals and seeing how these staff treated me, once more a young, white, quote-unquote innocent young girl, in there versus black men women teenagers like there was a definite difference in treatment and looking back like that makes me so sad and I remember feeling so like wrong about it at the time I didn't know what to do and that's not an excuse but like it's just crazy like so crazy to imagine like how would I have been treated like I already had a hard time with doctors not believing me when I said, like, I don't, you know, I don't do drugs. Like, I didn't get hep C in any of the typical ways. I already had a hard time convincing my doctors that that's not what happened because they're so used to that and the stigma attached to hep C. And I can't imagine, you know, if I was of a different skin color, specifically black, like, how I would have been treated, believed, listened to in that scenario. And that makes me really freaking sad and frustrated so when it comes to white privilege in all aspects I think personally the first step is recognizing it and acknowledging it in respect of those who aren't born with it like to deny that we have white privilege is such a slap in the face to people that don't have it and that's just not right and in that if you recognize and acknowledge it then like freaking use it use the white privilege that you are inherently born with to uplift others. For instance, like I said before, does Instagram favor white people over black people? Okay then, let's use that privilege that we have, like thanks to Instagram, I guess, to uplift the black community. That's why this week that we did here in June of amplifying their voices was so important It was about using our platforms to reach our audiences and introduce them to new thoughts, new messages, new voices. And, you know, it's, that's why sharing those accounts and sharing their messages on our stories was so important because, I mean, I know a ton of Black bloggers, content creators, people on Instagram that I was following before or newly followed, like, They had huge influxes of exposure, and I don't know if that'll stay. I hope it does. I truly do. But it just goes to show, like, if 40,000 people suddenly follow this woman, like, it's not all for just performative, um, performative, like, support, if I'm looking for the right word. Like, a good fraction of those people have to actually enjoy their content, right? Like, I only followed accounts that I generally are interested in I'm not just going to follow to follow that's performative but that just goes to show like a fraction of those 40,000 people that this woman gained in a following have to actually be interested in her work yet like we've never seen her account before and like think about all the times you've been suggested accounts like I've never once been maybe once or twice suggested a like to a woman man account of black nature like it just doesn't happen. So that's like one example. And something else that I wanted to hit on with the white privilege, and I want to make this very clear, this is not undermining our personal traumas or life experiences. White privilege and accepting that we have white privilege isn't about saying my life is sunshine, rainbows, and butterflies. I mean, speaking from a personal experience, like my show, my life has been pretty like a big shit show so far those of you that have followed my story know this, and I know many of you probably have that same experience in life, white privilege isn't saying your life is sunshine and rainbows and butterflies. It's saying that we do have a baseline head start in school, with the law, in healthcare, in finance, in general community, in like etc cetera, etc cetera, the list goes on. So white privilege is not saying that we're all rich or healthy or well off, It's just a fundamental fact from the moment of birth that we have a bit of a head start in different aspects of life. Some of us really milk those opportunities more than the others, but it's just, it's a fact. And so that's like what I did want to say as a closing statement on white privilege is instead of getting defensive of this, because I think that's what happens with a lot of people, we get defensive of like, oh, you're saying I have white privilege, like what's that mean? No, as I explained, it's just a fact, it's a baseline, we're born with it, and so why don't we try to just be grateful for the fact that we do have it, I guess, and then find ways to uplift others with that, with our voice and our influence and our position in society. So as I mentioned before, this isn't helping others out. We're not above, quote unquote, or higher, quote unquote, than anyone of any different skin color, but we can offer support from our inherent head start in the eyes of society. So if society society is giving us a head start against our will, because that's what white privilege is, we can then choose to either keep milking that white privilege purely for our own self-interests, or we can use that to uplift and support others. Capish, Caposh? Okay. On to lesson two, folks. It's A-okay to be uncomfortable. That's actually good. It's a sign of growth and evolution. This movement made a lot of people uncomfortable because we didn't know what to say, what to do, or how to support it. And more importantly, because this entire thing caused us to face the hard shit. To admit to our inherent white privilege, to admit that we were uneducated on racism, to admit that we didn't prioritize black lives as much as we should before. Like, that's hard to admit. It truly is. But something that hit home for me was listening to Rachel Cargill, I believe that's how you say her last name, on the Almost 30 podcast. She said that for how uncomfortable, quote unquote, this may be to white people, imagine being black. Imagine watching this racist bullshit happen time and time again and yet having no one stand up to support you. That, that is true discomfort. No, actually, like, that's beyond discomfort. That is true fear, anger, sadness. And, like, when it, she said that, it just dawned on me of, like, holy fuck. Can you imagine watching these acts of injustice and racism in America for all of your life, for experiencing them yourself, for living in constant fear or anger or frustration or confusion about why your skin color has deemed you this way in the eyes of society? And then can you imagine having a bunch of white people complain of how uncomfortable and tired they are after three days of activism and three days of the movement? And it was just a big eye-opening moment for me, right? A perspective shift of, looking at things from a different lens, like through a different lens, and trying to understand what it would be like to be, you know, a person of color, a black person in this entire movement, viewing this entire movement, and how maybe then we would better phrase how we feel or how we act in this situation, I suppose. So I'm just saying overall in this movement, in any movement moving forward, with anything moving forward in life, if you feel uncomfortable, good. All capital letter letters, good, great actually. Because that's a reason to start questioning why. When you understand why something makes you uncomfortable, why you don't like it, why you're hesitant about it then you can grow from it, and that's how the change happens. And for the final, well, not final, because honestly, there are endless lessons you could learn from this, but for the third lesson that I'm sharing with you all today, it's that anything is better than nothing. Which sounds like common sense, but when you really think about it, there's a bit more depth to it, and especially in the aspect of it I'm talking about. So I don't know about you all, but I am a type A OCD perfectionist in many aspects of my life. Not all of them. Some of them I'm like, I don't give two shits, like let's just do it. But there are a lot of other ones where I'm just like perfectionist, right? Like I would rather not do it at all than not do it perfectly, i.e. like example, this podcast. Um, And this movement showed me something in that regard. So how many of us put off starting something until it's perfect? Or we don't share until it's perfect? Probably 80% of you listening with myself included, I'd say. Maybe not. I don't know. And so with this movement, I saw in myself and others a hesitation or fear of sharing, speaking up, etc. Because one, uncertainty, discomfort of the unknown. But also two, because of this underlying need for things to be perfect now this is just my projection on the situation maybe it wasn't the case for you maybe you're all nodding your heads hell yes to this right now but it was like this urge to have the perfect words the perfect post the perfect way to show our support for the black lives movement matter, for the black lives matter movement and you know all of those needs for perfect words perfect post all of those needs and ideals for perfection all it did was hold us back and the same can be applied on a larger scale that question that we can ask ourselves of what does my voice do or what do I matter which leads to the you know pretty much comment of well I'm not going to create change I'd never make an impact and so what do we do we stay silent. We decide to not even start or to not even try. And not all of us do this, but I think a lot of us do, or at least on a minor scale. And I'm not condemning us for this. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just pointing it out as a fact. I've done this with voting before, with signing petitions before, with donations before, with deciding to participate in something. I've always not always, but a lot of the times, like, I've opted out of them in the past because of that thought of, it doesn't actually matter. My vote, my signature, my $5 donation, you know, my, my pledge to participate in this, you know, um, challenge won't make a difference. But guess what? Newsflash, anything is better than nothing. One vote is better than none. One petition signature is better than none. One act of kindness or speaking up or standing up is better than none. So do something because that is better than nothing. Say something because that is better than silence. And I know right away some people are going to think, well, I didn't want to be publicly sharing everything I was doing for this movement on Instagram. And that's fine because guess what? Like you're doing something. So it's not you have to always do something and always say something, like do one or the other. Take action, speak up, do something just to move the needle at least a little bit forward. And so moving forward, I'm going to try to not live by that narrative any longer. I'm going to remember that anything, anything I can offer to a cause is better than nothing at all. And I could go on and on, but I won't because this isn't supposed to be about me, even though I used a lot of me, I personally, (laughs) things in there. But this is just about furthering the work and creating change because my voice can reach people and it can help to educate and expose them to these issues, lessons, thoughts, etc. And I know that this isn't enough to just put up like one podcast episode and I'm not planning to just move on and let this all pass like a social media trend. I'm personally committed to doing the work to create a lifestyle moving forward that is consciously aware and consciously working towards the writing of race and injustice in, like, in this world we live in. And in coming months, I will be sharing episodes with Black women and wellness and beyond, not to check off a racial diversity checkbox, but because diversity in life matters. Before this all even happened, I was already starting to do this work and to schedule some interviews with just different voices in the field, and now I'm just even more fired up than ever before to have these open and honest conversations on race, wellness, and life in general from all walks and viewpoints in life. This isn't just exclusive to white people and black people, like, this is all. I, I, I want to hear the voices of people, okay? and to not have, like, a label attached to this podcast. So I just hope that this message resonated in one way or another. In the show notes, I'll be sharing some amazing Black voices I've been listening to, loving to follow, and learn from on Instagram. Let's keep doing the work and keep spreading the message. And I appreciate you all for following along this journey, for standing By the podcast and opening your hearts and your minds to the guests and their messages. And I hope you continue to do that moving forward. And please, 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 please reach out to me if something in this episode didn't sit right with you. If you disagree, if I spoke wrong, and not in the sense of white fragility, but in the sense of learning. So this goes to me too, if I said something that is counterproductive or not aligned with the Black Lives Matter movement, if I said something that is actually like not kind to say or I don't know what, like just let me know because I want to know, I want to learn from it, and I want to grow. Embrace the uncomfortable and grow from it, fam, all right?